This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Who is Etienne Delabussy? So the original was a French political philosopher. He wrote in the 16th century, and he was really the first one to expose the little tricks and the techniques that rulers use, not just to get obedience, but to get fealty and admiration and God save the queen and all hail the chief. And we're going to wear funny hats and we're going to use pomp and circumstance. And we're going to, you know, give feasts where we return a portion of what's stolen. And then everybody's going to say all hail the king. And they're going to go along with being ruled because there's these variety of techniques, some of which he was writing in the, in the 16th century. And in the 16th century, they were over a, over a thousand years old. And, uh, and when you read his work today, his masterwork was, uh, the discourse of voluntary servitude. You'll, you'll notice that some of these techniques are still being used to this day to get people to go along with something that's not in their interest. What are some of those techniques? Well, I named I named some of them, and so some of the ones that that you know that he called out uh, were, uh, you know, that the king would return would you know have the would would have feasts for the people and and put on elaborate uh, you know shows and and uh, and return just a small fraction of what he had stolen in the in the form of these feasts. Some of them are you know bread and circuses. Uh, one of the ones that he discussed that I think is uh, is is you know particularly apropos uh, in the in the modern age, is that uh, some rulers once they had conquered a city would establish brothels and taverns and host public games and the and the and the people would you know waste their time uh, in drunken debauchery. Instead of, uh, you know, uh, objecting to something, uh, you know, being conquered. Um, uh, and so we wouldn't have to station troops or garrison troops in the city because the people were, 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 uh, were drunk and, and enjoying themselves in their new servitude. This a segue that can be made here to Plato's cave. Would you mind explaining the allegory to me? Certainly. So the the allegory of Plato's cave is, you know, Plato uh, had an allegory of the cave where prisoners were trapped deep in a in a cave, and behind the prisoners was a fire, and in between the fire and the prisoners was a walkway, and along the walkway puppeteers would come, and the puppeteers would carry uh, puppets and items that would throw a shadow play onto the cave wall and the shadow play was the prisoner's only real uh, understanding of the world and in the allegory one of the prisoners escapes and he gets climbs out of the cave and he finds the sunlight and the world and and people and what's really going on and he goes back into the cave and tries to explain the reality of the prisoner's existence to the prisoners, but the prisoners don't believe him. They can't understand these fantastic tales because their only frame of reference is the shadow play. And in my book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History Exposed, what 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 I try and do, the subtitle is How Intergenerational Organized Crime Runs the Government, the Media, 
in academia is I try and explain how the the you know the one of the number one techniques being used to rule and tax farm societies in every country. Uh, you know, if, if most of the countries are all running government, government can be thought of as a technique to rob and control populations. Uh, but the but the you know one of the big revelations in the book is it's the government, the media, and academia working together, and that control of perception, that ability to control the information that the population receives, whether it's in the mandatory government school, whether it's in the ripoff state university, or whether it's in this monopoly media system, where people uh, you know are taught. Uh, before they're old enough to really evaluate the logic and the morality of claim that government is legitimate, desirable, and necessary. And it's their duty as a taxpayer to send half their income in overt taxes and covert taxes and inflation you know, to this organized crime system that's running these games and tricks and controlling the information that 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 they receive about government, about the legitimacy of government, about the necessity of having a government, about the desirability of having a government. And because all they've ever known is, oh, you've got to have government and the government is the savior and the government is the hero. And on every television show, you know, it's uh, it's Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick, or Tom Cruise is the CIA agent saving the world, or the president of the United States flying fighter jets to save the planet from invading aliens. You know, uh, they've been taught and have never and are never allowed because it's a monopolized media system to hear the alternative that we really don't need government. And so we are living to a certain degree in a modern Plato's cave where the majority of people get their information from these controlled uh, sources and they don't understand how they're being robbed and tax farmed. When you say that people don't need government, what exactly do you mean? So I mean that if you really think about it, uh, the majority of what government does besides redistribution is that they're a provider of services, monopoly, a monopoly provider whether that service is, is armed protective services that they call the police, whether it's dispute resolution, which they call the courts, whether it's delivering you know, the mail, whether it is uh, providing air traffic control, whether it is running the worst passenger uh, train system on the planet, um, all of these things, building the roads, all of these things could be done better, faster, and cheaper by the free market, by mutual aid societies, by uh, you know nonprofits, co-ops, insurance companies, um, and so we really don't need government. There's no you know reason, and I think if most people understand that, if they if they understood the 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 mechanisms, the market mechanisms, the invisible hand and capital creation and and uh, and how everything that they want that they want from government would be provided by the free market, then I think most people would say, well, why why do we have the theft and extortion and and malinvestment and and all of the you know the negatives that come with government, the warfare and the you know the propaganda and the indoctrination. And so I think most people would give up government, but most people don't understand how the government is tricking them into thinking that this is the only way that you can organize society.
So just to make sure that I'm following you, if government were to disappear, you're suggesting that people would would take over all those all those roles that the government supposedly fills. How would they do that through community structures? Well, so in in, in a certain way, I'm, and, and I'm not saying that it's all going to happen, and I and I don't know exactly how that would happen. But what I what I what what I am claiming is that the world is this self-organizing system that produces spontaneous order. And because there's a market for armed protective services, because everybody wants to be, you know, uh, safe and secure in their home or in their business, uh, that they're going to to get that service. Now, uh, if you're buying that service from ADT or Garda or West Tech, or these are some of the companies that provide armed protective services today, and where I live in Memphis, Tennessee, there's a huge, huge crime problem. And every single business, almost every, every single every single shopping center in Memphis, Tennessee has its own armed security. Uh, sometimes it's armed, sometimes it's unarmed. Uh, and so that so the government, they're paying for the worthless monopoly government police that 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 are notoriously inefficient and corrupt here in, in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, but they're also having to pay out of their own pocket for private security. And so if there wasn't the monopoly security, there would still be security. But the armed protective services company that you hire would be very, very different than the monopoly police today. The monopoly police today, they claim that they have rights that you don't have, that they can arrest you for victimless crimes. Uh, they're, you know, it's impossible to have them fired. They can be as rude as they want to the population because they can't be fired. But if you were paying, you know, $75 a month or a hundred dollars a month for, you know, security at your home, it'd probably come with an alarm system. And you're, and, uh, when the, when the armed protective services agent showed up at your house, he can't arrest you for gambling. He can't arrest you for having a poker game. He can't arrest you for smoking cannabis. He can't arrest you for things that aren't really crimes. He can protect your life, liberty, and property because you have that right internally under natural law and, and under the, you know, the golden rule. You know, it, it makes perfect sense that you can logically delegate that right to an armed protective service agent or a private security guard or somebody to exercise that right on your, your behalf. You don't have the ability to tell your neighbor whether or not that they should be having a poker game or smoking cannabis or anything like that. So you're not going to the arm. It doesn't make any sense for you to delegate a right that you don't have. And so the government has these corrupt, illogical, you know, laws that don't really make, you know, that aren't logical and aren't moral. And all of that would go away and I think that you would see these armed protective services companies competing on, you know, who better protects uh, shopping centers, who better protects neighborhoods. And so there would be a, you know, a, a competition mechanism that, that doesn't exist today that would give you a better outcome than having a monopoly service provider funded, uh, you know, at the point of a gun um, that has proven that it can't do a good job. And so you, there's these market mechanisms that would ensure that you're going to get a better outcome and there's not going to be the immorality of arresting people for things that aren't really crimes. One of the uh, control mechanisms that you've written about 
that uh, that gets used and has been used for over a century is the Federal Reserve. Explain that to me. So the so one of the ways that this or inter, what I call it an intergenerational organized crime system. A lot of people you may have heard you know get called the deep state or globalists or elitists. I think those are purposefully unhelpful terms, and so I like to use intergenerational organized crime. And one of the biggest factions at the top of the pyramid is the banking system. And the way the scam here in the United States and in other countries work is that uh, that the organized crime bankers lobbied and bribed our Congress in 1913 to pass something called the Federal Reserve Act that created a private central bank that backstops the money center banks, the Wells Fargo's, the J.P. Morgan's, the uh, Chase Manhattan, uh, you know, J- uh, um, uh, Citigroup, um, Bank of America, and others, and gives them the ability to create money out of thin air. So when you go and you get a a, a mortgage or a car loan, you're not uh, borrowing; they're not loaning you deposit or money. Uh, they just uh, tickle the keyboard and credit your account with digital dollars. Uh, and so in, 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 in addition to the inherent unfairness of spending the rest of your life, you know, paying off a mortgage that somebody created out of thin air, uh, that process, the entire base of the monetary system and the base of monetary creation is inherently inflationary and is essentially stealing the value out of everybody else's money. So as, as either the, the banks through fractional reserve banking or the government itself through quantitative easing and for bailouts and stimulus, as they create more and more and more of these digital dollars, those digital dollars reduce the purchasing power of the other dollars in circulation. So they begin to bid up prices. And so absent this crooked monetary system, your dollar should be buying more and more every year. And that's the way that it was when we were on the gold standard here in the United States. That the that you know, that's one of the reasons that, that the United States created all of the wealth and all of the the uh, the dynamic economy that it had was because the people had all of this additional purchasing power and it kept getting better and better every single year in a kind of virtuous cycle. And if you think about it, you know, people every day that are inventing new and better ways of producing the, the necessities and luxuries of life or distributing them. Uh, the example I like to use is there's a, you know, there's a company that, that makes a giant sail that you can put on the front of an ocean going ship. It's controlled by a computer and it, and it carves like 20% of the cost of an ocean going vessel. And so you should be seeing these, you know, these, you know, uh, decreases as, you know, as FedEx and UPS buy next generation, you know, airliners that have better engines with more fuel efficiency as, as people begin to figure out, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, cut the cost in their business by using, uh, video conferencing as an example, or, you know, there's all of these different ways that we're, that we're reducing the, you know, costs in the United States, but none of those ever show up to the, to the, uh, consumer because we've got an organized crime money system that's stealing the value out of the money in a way that most people don't understand. Now, the two examples that I, that I like to use, number one is, you know, if I have a dollar and you have a dollar and we have the only two dollars in the world, 
I have 50% of the world's income and you have 50% of the world's income or the world's uh, capital. And all of a sudden a bank or a government comes along and they create two additional dollars from fractional reserve banking or quantitative easing. Well, all of a sudden now I've been reduced to 25% of the world's wealth. You've been reduced to the tw- to 25% of the world's wealth and the bank has stolen 50% of the world's wealth. And that's really what's going on. And so uh, the other analogy is, you know, imagine you're playing Monopoly and the banker is cheating and the banker is reaching under the table and grabbing $500 bills at the end of the game, who owns everything on the board and who are renters and debtors. And that's the dynamic that we have going on. And what appears to be happening is, you know, and I'm, I try to be very, very careful with what I can prove and, and you know, what I'm, I'm speculating on. But what it appears is that is that the banks are creating this money out of thin air. They're buying up the world and monopolizing the world with the little paper tickets. So they're providing certain companies. If you take a look at the Fortune 100 or the, you know, the, uh, you know, the Fortune 200, um, those companies are being provided unlimited bankster capital to buy up and consolidate their own industries. And then the ownership of those companies is being managed by BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, other uh, you know, private equity managers. And then the CEOs of those companies are being organized in the World Economic Forum and the Council on Foreign Relations, where they can be given their marching orders for widespread uh, you know, state crimes against democracy like 9-11 or the COVID. Uh, I think the COVID was kind of the best example, you know, like all of these monopoly corporations, the airlines, the restaurants, the, the Walmarts, they're all in on it together. Okay. They're going to enforce something that is in many cases harmful to their bottom line. They're going to be bailed out by the government. So like the airlines got themselves bailed out, but you know, they went along with it you wouldn't have this tomfoolery if it wasn't for the government and it wasn't for the banks being able to provide this unlimited capital to certain companies in a in a kind of uh economic warfare against the common man uh okay but you're referring to private companies there i'm referring to to private companies but what there is is there's a lot of evidence especially on the media side that a lot of these private companies have been given this unlimited banker money. And so you're you're not dealing with free market economy companies. In economics, the term is called cronyism. And so you're seeing the government or its agents and allies in banking provide certain companies with unlimited funds to buy up and consolidate their industry or dominate, especially in the monopoly media, dominate um, uh, their little corner of the food chain so that they can control the information that the population receives so the population doesn't understand how they're being robbed and tax farmed. I think the best example is Google. And so, you know, one of the things that we do is we back up everything uh, in our uh, in, in my book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History, with one of these 64-gig uh, flash drives and that we call the Liberator. And so we're taking evidence of government criminality and we're making it uncensorable and we're making it easy for you to, to have this in your wallet, to give to a friend.
friends so they can copy to their hard drive or get or have it or, or make copies for your friends, your family, and your colleagues. And one of the, the articles that we have in the flash drive is called uh, How the CIA Made Google, and it details the specific uh, DARPA programs, especially the Highland Forum that Google came out of, the early government grants that they received. Uh, and so, you know, the, the name of the game is control of perception. And so they're uh, controlling perception algorithmically. They're hiding certain search results. They're promoting other search results. They're, uh, you know, on the, on, in, in, in YouTube, which Google bought uh, when it, you know, paid, stacked, you know, over a billion, uh, I think it was like $1.3 billion when YouTube had less than 100 employees and a handful of servers. You know, we're just going to buy up anything that reaches eyeballs. But in the old days of YouTube, they used to have a top 10 uh, most popular videos. And it was regularly 9-11 truth videos and other videos exposing uh, government criminality and noble lie or, you know, the Boston unbombing, you know, exposing some of these hoax uh, false flag events for police state and hoax shootings for gun control that routinely go on here in the United States. And then once Google was able to buy up uh, YouTube with these unlimited fractional reserve dollars and the head start that they had in search and the head start that they had in IP technology, uh, you know, that top 10 went away. And now uh, you what, what YouTube is doing is they're uh, recommending for you videos that are going to algorithmically tempt you with something that they already understand you're interested in so that they can waste your time and keep you from finding out the videos that would expose the criminal nature of what's going on. And so that really is the Plato's cave that most people are living in without really understanding, you know, what's going on in the background. Another interesting idea that I've been thinking about. You're referring to Plato's cave and the way in which the suppression of information has been enforced for quite a long time. Nikola Tesla, for example, uh, was working on something similar to free energy. Do you think that there's a place for that, uh, assuming that the government gets out of the way? Oh, without a doubt, and and I think that you know technology, you know many technologies are being suppressed until it's time that they can't be suppressed anymore. And so you know one example is like electric vehicles were suppressed for decades and decades to promote, uh, you know, uh, to promote uh, the you know at the oil company's behest and the oil company industry and and uh, uh, the oil company's interests. And electric streetcars were uh, were bought up and destroyed, uh, so that you could have cars instead of you know efficient, uh, low cost public transportation in in many cities, and so that was going on until they were ready to release it themselves. And I believe that you know speaking of Tesla, that you know Elon Musk is essentially uh, DARPA's boy that takes technologies that have been developed on the taxpayer nickel and then privatizes the profits. And so instead of, you know, NASA and bureaucrats building rockets uh, where nobody gets to make any money, we're going to go ahead and give massive multi-billion dollar uh, contracts 
to to uh, to SpaceX. We'll have them build it in a way where uh, we can personally enrich the people in the intelligence agencies and and the and the the folks this intergenerational network running the 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 government from behind the scenes can personally enrich themselves by having a kind of head start and understanding you know where technology is going before it goes and then they can trade as insiders and benefit from from you know from technologies developed on the taxpayer nickel how is inflation theft so you know i gave the example you know i, I gave the example of you know without a crooked monetary system, your dollar would buy more and more. Um, you know, right now in the United States, most people are paying more than 50% of their income in either overt taxes, covert taxes, or inflation. When I say covert taxes in the United States, we have, you know, a, a form called the 1040. And the, you know, kind of the average tax rate is some somewhere between 15 and 36 percent and everybody kind of understands the overt taxes that you pay the covert taxes are you know here in the united states and i'm sure in 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 your country and almost every other country in the world and definitely in every country in the world that has a vat of value-added tax they're, they're the taxes are hidden and those hidden taxes include Corporate taxes that just get passed on to you know to uh, to taxpayers in the in the in the form of higher prices on the goods and services that they buy, but in the United States, you know, every time you buy a gallon of gas, every time you buy uh, if you're a drinker or a smoker, a beer or a pack of cigarettes, uh, every time you pay your cable television bill, every time you pay your uh, you get a rental car, every time you pay your cell phone bill. Uh, you know, uh, there are hidden taxes every time you get an airline ticket. Um, I went to London a couple of years ago. Uh, the ticket was $1,200. The actual ticket was $400 and there were $800 in taxes and landing fees on both sides of the transaction. And so, you know, most people don't understand that, you know, that, that how much they're really getting tax farmed and robbed. Uh, um, and so, but the most onerous and the most hidden of all the taxes is the tax of inflation. And so that is, you know, this kind of inherent unfairness of allowing the banks to create money out of thin air. And then because that process is inherently inflationary, you know, it's, it's reducing the, uh, the, the purchasing power of all the other dollars, and so that's the only way that money comes into circulation. Now, it would be a lot different if we had a different kind of monetary system, but the monetary system that is enforced on the population at the point of the government's gun is inherently inflationary, inherently unfair to other market participants, and it's allowing these banks at the top of the food chain to buy up and monopolize the world. And then that system is reducing the job opportunities uh, the wage, the the growth in wages that would be present, you know, absent this crooked monetary system. And so most people just don't understand how many different ways the government has its crooked, thieving, lying, stealing hand in their pocket. And so if they if they did, I think there'd probably be a revolution before morning. How then does the Federal Reserve enable monopolies? 
so the so the Fed, I call it backstopping. But essentially, you know, uh, uh, if you take a look at the history of money, the first inflation was was uh, uh, was people that would cut uh, the coins that they received in day, daily transactions. So if you take a look at a U.S. dime or a U.S. quarter, there's little bitty ridges around the outside edge of the dime or the quarter, and that's a, that's called a reading. And the reading is so that you can tell if the coin has been clipped or not. And so the original inflation was dirty, crooked merchants would take a coin in commerce, and because they knew it was silver, they would cut just a little bit of the edge of the coin off, okay, because there wasn't reading back then. And then they'd collect all the scraps of the coins, and they would they would have another coin made, or they would sell the gold or the silver, depending on what kind of coin it was. And pretty soon, it took two coins. Instead of taking one coin to buy a loaf of bread, it took two coins. And that was really, really the original inflation. The next step of inflation came when uh, when the rulers, uh, especially the in, in the Roman Empire, who was really you know famous for it, would take money in taxes. Uh, they would take the they would take coins in, in the in the payment of taxes. They would melt down the coins. They would mix base metals in with the gold or the silver, and then they would mint, 10% or 15% new coins and then over time uh, the you know the market you know got wise to that practice and people would raise the price because they knew that the coins didn't contain the same amount of gold and silver and so that was really the second major you know uh, scam of inflation also you know perpetrated by ruling class on the on the population. Now, the quote unquote founders of the United States were very familiar with these, uh, you know, with these problems. Uh, and really, the, and then the, the kind of the third, we'll talk about one more, you know, you know, type of inflation or way that, that, the, that the bankers have been robbing, you know, the population. But the next one is uh, that really the first banks were goldsmiths. And so if you think about it and you lived in the 1600s or the 1700s, or 1800s, you had probably had a very, very small house. It was very easy to break into. And so you didn't want to keep a lot of your gold uh, and your money, you know, in your house because anybody could just come by and, and, and you know, there weren't that many different hiding places. And so people would give take their money and they'd take it to the local goldsmith who was probably the only guy in town that actually had a safe all right, they'd put it in his safe and he would give you a promissory note, a warehouse receipt for the gold that you had stored in his safe. Well, over time, the warehouse receipts began uh, began being used in commerce. And instead of hauling my gold or going to fetch my gold or whatever, I just give you the warehouse receipt and then you go and give it to somebody else. And uh, the dirty, crooked, thieving bankers realized that not everybody was coming around for their gold all the time. And so what they began doing is they began issuing additional warehouse receipts. And so these additional warehouse receipts would begin trading in the community and then eventually uh, everybody would get wise to what's going on. Hey, the, look how the banker's living. He's living pretty large. I think he's cheating. I think he's creating more warehouse receipts and there'd be something called a run on the bank 
And then all of the population of the town would show up at the bank. And because the banker was a dirty, crooked, cheating banker, uh, the people in the front of the line might get their money back, but the people in the back of the line, they get nothing. And the banker is either killed or run out of town or, you know, whatever it is. And so, uh, so the banks want to engage in this practice, but to be able to engage in the practice, they went and they lobbied and bribed our government because government's the worst way of organizing society. It's so easily hijacked by moneyed interests. Uh, to pass the Federal Reserve Act, the Federal Reserve created uh, a, this private central bank. The private central bank stands behind the money center banks, and when the banks get into trouble or somebody shows up and they all want their money, well, they open what they call the discount window at the Fed, and then the Fed creates and prints or hands out extra dollars to keep the faith in the crooked system going. So they don't want the banks blowing up. And so they're bailing out the banks so that, that people aren't going, holy, we've got a organized crime banking system that's counterfeiting money and loaning money that they don't have. And it's the whole system is, is dishonest and rigged. And so the Fed backstops these banks to engage in fractional reserve banking. Otherwise, nobody would put their money in the banks. Now, that sounds well and good until the Fed and its agents and allies on Wall Street that have been doing all this, this thieving and stealing, uh, until they print so many dollars that the dollar is completely worthless and the game is over. And that's really what we're facing here in the United States is we're facing uh, you know, uh, uh, the exposure of the crooked monetary system through the fact that people in other countries aren't willing to take the dollar at the same rate. They're saying, hey, the United States is doing these idiotic, ridiculous things that we know that is going to lead to economic disaster. We don't want to be stuck with these digital dollars. We don't want to be stuck with these paper tickets. We're now going to, we're now going to begin uh, eliminating the dollar in our bilateral trade. So in the old days, uh, you know, they soaked up the inflation of the 1970s with, with a deal with OPEC for petrodollars where they, where OPEC would, where, where they cut OPEC a deal to keep the, the crooked feudal Saudi government and the other, uh, you know, Gulf Emirates in power by loaning them the U S military and, teaching their intelligence agencies how to crack down on internal dissent and spy on their citizenry and all that kind of good stuff. And in exchange, they would only price and sell oil in dollars. And so in the 1970s, all of these countries that used to trade with their own currencies now had to buy and hold U.S. dollars to buy their oil. And that's how they were able to soak up the inflation of the 70s. Well, now that system is coming to an end and countries that used to, you know, buy uh, and hold dollars to purchase oil, they're now buying their oil in their own currency. And so those dollars that they used to have to buy and hold, those are all going to come home and roost and they're going to begin bidding up prices. And that's what you're seeing now to an extent. And so now we have double digit inflation. And we have something called shrinkflation. Shrinkflation is where you know manufacturers are reducing the amount of pro of the product that you have. So instead of getting 24 slices in a pack of cheese, you now get 22 slices. And 
the Toblerone, uh, little pyramids keep getting smaller and, uh, it just, it just goes on and on, uh, you know, because instead of raising prices, they're just giving you less product. You know, now the average bag of pota- potato chips is like 60% air and 40% chips. And so, uh, so people don't understand how the value is being stolen out of their money because these cartel companies that make the potato chips and the Toblerone and, and the, uh, and the, and the cheese, they're in on it. And instead of going, Hey, the government's stealing the value out of the money, they're just kind of tricking the population by reducing the amount of product that they get in the, in the package. But in terms of monopolies, how are they enabled Amazon or even Apple? I mean, these are monopolies, aren't they? Um, they're not pure monopolies. Uh, they're so like with, with Facebook, I believe that certain of these companies were given a head start, especially in the internet companies in internet technology. And so, uh, you know, I put, uh, our, 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 I put our interview, from uh, yesterday's uh, your your TNT radio show on our substack at artofliberty.substack.com. And and all of the things that we talked about in that interview, you know, I referenced and I included a couple of maps of the internet from 1974, where in 1974, the government had dozens and dozens of universities and military contractors and and think tanks and, and, and government entities on the internet in 1974. And so, you know, what I believe, and I used to be in the internet business, I used to uh, uh, build networks for Wall Street for market data, trading floor technology. And so what I believe is that certain firms were given a head start in uh, internet protocol technologies. So they said to a handful of companies, hey, look, here's what's going on. Uh, we've we've already had our futurists and our cultural anthropologists war game this out. We're going to turn the internet over to the general population, but to be able to control perception, we're going to need to control some things that you've never even heard about. But but uh, you know our futurists tell us that this thing called social media is going to be uh, going to be big, and so we want to dominate that. And so we're going to, you know, provide certain companies and certain individuals with unlimited, uh, you know, this head start and these unlimited uh, amount of financing to be able to dominate their own industries. And so that's what I think when you're seeing, you know, companies like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, you know, I could go like I could go on, but they're either provided the capital to buy up and consolidate their uh, industries, they're given uh, intellectual property protection. So they're given patents, uh, you know, uh, either, you know, honestly, because they were funded with the Head Start or dishonestly because they're trying to, you know, block one of the competitors. Uh, But, you know, you're not seeing, uh, this is not free market capitalism. Uh, This is what's known in economics as cronyism or fascism. It's a marriage of government and corporate power and you wouldn't have it in a free market system. In a free market system, the only way to to make money is to satisfy the the consumer and make something better, faster, cheaper, you know, more durable, uh, or you know, really cater to the consumer's needs. 
But in uh, in crony capitalism and cronyism, you know, you can make a lot of money because the government's there giving you a monopoly privilege or the government is there um, giving you a head start in some kind of technology like Elon Musk, you know, or giving you no bid contracts or, you know, there's a variety of ways that you can treat che- you can cheat in this kind of fascist economy. And so uh, these are I mean, they're they're, you know, kind of private companies. But I think if you really, you know, peeled back and, and went back to, to their, you know, the the founding, this is not free market. This is cronyism and this is, you know, the government granting monopoly privileges and, and they're cheating. They're not winning. They're cheating. So uh, an example of what you're talking about might be Coca-Cola that owns 500 different brands and you think you are buying competing products in the free market, but you're actually buying products that all come from the same company. Yeah, that's one of, that's actually one of the the posters that we have. So so one of the things that we've done, one of the announcements that we made recently is we launched a series of free posters called the White Rose Mucho Grande. And the White Rose is a is an international network of freedom activists that make a free file of stickers available exposing the scam of the COVID and the danger and the poisons and the vaccines and the criminality of the government. And so in as homage to them, we created a, a free series of posters available at artofliberty.org forward slash white hyphen rose.com. And those posters really expose uh, the monopolization of everything, including beverages. And so, uh, so we've got posters showing the, you know, the beverage industry and all of the different, uh, be- beverages from honest tea to Snapple to the others that, you know, it looks like they're a separate company. It's got a different label. It's got a different name, but they've, uh, they've been, what appears to be happening is some of these companies have been funded with this unlimited, uh, money, to buy up and consolidate their industry. And then those are the companies that are using aspartame, fluoridated water, uh, you know, uh, recombinant bovine growth hormone and dairy products, BPA in can linings. And so, so there's a debilitation program that we break down in government, the biggest scam in history exposed, uh, in addition to, you know, like, like we're going to dumb down the population by putting stuff into their food, water and vaccines. So they don't understand how they're getting robbed and we're going to do it through these monopoly companies. Whereas I think if it wasn't for this monopolization, you know, you'd have to see, uh, you'd see Coke and Pepsi competing in, you know, in a real way to see who could provide healthier beverages. Hey, we don't have a fluoridated water. Coke has fluoridated water. Pepsi doesn't have fluoridated water. But, you know, what, what's going on is that, the, the, is that this organized crime system is leaving duopolies. So it gives you the illusion of choice. So you can, you can either have the 200 beverages that Coke makes or you can have the 150 beverages that, uh, that Pepsi makes. And it all looks the same. But it's all this. It's the it's these two fake competitors in the background, where the number one shareholder for both of those companies is BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. It's the same crew that has that ownership control, and so those are the companies that are using harmful ingredients in their uh, in in their beverages. 
um, if it was a real free market, you wouldn't see, you know, this, you wouldn't see these, these, these kind of harmful ingredients in the food supply. We haven't mentioned NGOs, but they fall into the same bracket. Yeah. So another, so, so, you know, I mentioned that we have a, you know, a, a, po- a free poster showing the monopolization of the beverages. We also have the airlines. We also have consumer goods. We also have the media. We also have the the uh, defense contractors, the meat processing plants, the, the seed companies, uh, and one of the one of the posters that we have is called uh, the censorship industrial complex. And then this came out of uh, Matt Taibbi's work at Racket News and the Twitter files. And so what really came out this 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 control of perception you know program that we were discussing earlier that is keeping people living in this Plato's cave, not really understanding what's really going on. Well, uh, that is uh, what he calls the censorship industrial complex. And so in the emails that came out in the Twitter files, uh, it, it came out that there was a network of around 50 either government entities, tech companies like Facebook and others, NGOs, university-affiliated academic organizations, or quote-unquote fact-checkers that are steering the news Sometimes algorithmically in the in the case of big tech, but frequently the government is issuing takedown orders or the CDC was flagging uh, certain voices as uh, as being uh, as being, uh, you know, to have them either blacklisted or deplatformed, even if they were sharing truthful information. So even if they were they if they were if they were being successful in getting the word out on the harmfulness of the vaccines, they were being deplatformed, shadow banned, and censored in the name of fighting vaccine hesitancy. So it came out, and this is all proven, and then the, the, this was also covered by uh, congressional hearings, uh, by a committee on the weaponization of the government here in the, in the United States, that there's a network, including NGOs, including academic organizations affiliated with certain universities, including uh, the big tech platforms like LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and others that were censoring information for the government. And that network is about 50 different companies. And you can see that poster at artofliberty.org forward slash white hyphen rose. I am a big fan of natural order, human nature, and... It does appear to me that people like hierarchies, we'd like structures of order. If we Mm -hmm. remove the government, will that position simply not be filled by another person or group? No, so so, um, you, you mentioned that you like natural order. Uh, I like natural law. There's a, there's a kind of a, universally accepted morality called natural law that has been the basis of, uh, of, you know, in, in many of law in many different civilizations around the world. And it's essentially a codification of the golden rule. And in natural law, there's really, you know, five to seven main transgressions. You can't steal, 
you know, you can't trespass, you can't rape, you can't murder, you can't do, you know, certain things that we all agree are bad things. And we all agree that they're bad because in all of those cases, there is uh, someone is being harmed. They're all thefts of some kind, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, assault is theft of your physical security, rape is theft of sexual choice, murder is theft of life. And so all of these things are obviously bad. And then in the natural law tradition, that's the word right. When you say I have a right to this, I have a right to own a gun, I have a right to freak, speak freely. Well, that word right also comes from the natural tradition. And a, and a right is anything that's not a wrong. And so if you're not harming anybody else, then you have the right to do whatever you do uh, as long as you're not infringing on the equal rights of others. And that's a very, very simple system. And anybody can understand it. A fifth grader can understand it. And you don't need a lawyer to defend you in court. But you can build complex legal agreements based on that. You can have, you know, uh, you can have contract. You can have contract enforcement. You can have everything that you want the government to do without – the crookedness of the government coming in and then creating laws that force you to, you know, that give certain companies monopoly privileges or give certain companies advantages that, that you don't have or make something that, that isn't really a crime a crime. And so that makes sense. That's logical. That's easy for people to understand. If you were to use that as a basis for society, then Everybody, you know, would essentially, and, and if you think about it, for the most part, everybody does get along. Um, and so, uh, if there was a, so you could hire, you know, we could have armed protective services companies. But the second that that armed protective services company tried to take over, right, decided to say, oh, well, look, we've we've built up this essential army of armed protective service people. Uh, why don't we just take over the country with or the town or the state or whatever it is with our, you know, army of armed protective services companies? Well, well, number one, the customers are going to quit. And number two, another armed protective services company is going to come along and go, we're protecting everybody against these guys, you know, and, and boom, you know, that that comes along. Now, the government is able to enforce this because they're stealing everybody's money at the point of a gun and they're forcing you to go along with their system and then they're using their system to rob you. But there really isn't the same mechanism to do that in a free society uh, because there, you know, there there there's these incentives and others for others. Now, for somebody to raise an army, they've got to be a very, you know, very, very wealthy individual, okay? And it's going to be obvious what they're they're doing, and they're going to be opposed by the rest of society. And so you're just not going to have that. Now, I'll tell you one of the, you know, one of the other criticisms of voluntarism is, well, yeah, but if we abandon the government here in the United States, then another government, you know, the Russians or the Chinese – would come over here and they would take everything, you know, over. But what that fails to understand is that, you know, the government really has been the biggest scam in history. And so nobody likes getting fooled and chumped and tricked and suckered, right? And so I think once it once it becomes widely understood that the government is both illegitimate 
and the government's been running game on people and you don't really owe them any money and that they've been, you know, tricking you with, you know, product placing the flag into movies and television shows and they've been controlling the information in the TV shows you see on TV and like and, and they've been, you know, you know, like keeping voluntarist voices off of the media and they run a network of controlled opposition radio talk shows and things like that that will never, ever have me on or other people that are explaining the exact same thing that I'm explaining in a way of, you know, keeping you trapped in Plato's cave. Well, once people understand that in China and in Russia, because they're running the exact same game, the exact same, you know, system on uh, on the Chinese and the Russians, they're going to throw their governments out five seconds after we throw our government out. And so I really think that that's how it's going to end is that it, it's going to spread very, very rapidly you know, what's been going on, the illegitimacy of government, that government is being used as a tool to rob and control populations. And all of these governments are going to fall fairly, uh, fairly at the same time. Like, uh, you know, not, not, it won't be too long afterwards. Once it gets out that government has been the biggest scam in all of human history. With the same question at a different angle, when I talk about natural order, uh, let's say a family, a child automatically knows that the parents are the authority figures in the household. There, is, there isn't there is a negotiation made. If somebody mm -hmm. comes and works in your garden, there's this unspoken agreement that they're working in your garden. It's not their property, it's your property. Mm -hmm. When a community decides that it, it wants some sort of local governance, it elects that because it it mm. wants that sort of hierarchy. What I'm what I'm trying to suggest is government then would be an artificial authority, whereas uh, what I'm talking about could be an organic authority, and that's not something you oppose. Oh no, no. So you can have governance without having government. And right. so I agree with you that we need leaders, but we need we need honest organic leaders that are doing good things for the community. Uh, uh, in innovative and creative ways, not stealing money from everybody else at the point of the gun and go, look at me, I'm a philanthropist. I'm, you know, I'm Joe Biden. I'm a philanthropist. I'm going to pay off everybody's student loans by stealing money from these people over here. Elect me and I'll pay off your student loan. I'm a philanthropist. You know, you need people that are, you know, you need, you need honest stewards that are, that are going to do that. And I, you know, I take a look at, you know, I'll just give you, you know, some examples of right now of how the world is a self-organizing system. You know, we have homeowners associations in the United States where, you know, they, you, you know, you buy into a planned community or you, you know, uh, the community I used to live in, in Virginia had 5,000 plus homes and you paid, uh, you know, you're, you, when you buy into the community, you understand that you're going to be paying, you know, $150 a month to the community association. And then that money is going to, is going to provide a community center with swimming pools and racquetball courts and tennis courts and everything like that. But you can't paint your house pink. You can't have junk vehicles in your front yard. So you're going to agree to certain covenants. Okay. So there, so order arises but they're but they don't have the ability to you know to force you to live there they don't have the ability to come in and say you know arrest you for gambling they don't have the ability to to do you know a great many things that the government does so you can have organization 
without government. You can have governance without government, and if you don't want that, uh, if you don't want to live under those rules, then you have the ability to move. You're not trapped there for life. And so if you want to have junk cars in your yard or you want to paint your house green, you don't have to live in that community. Maybe there's a community that let you do that or you could buy it. You know, you could buy some land that is unincorporated and doesn't, you know, fall under these these laws and you can start your own community. Mm. And so if you want to ha- in, in a in 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 a in a voluntarist world, you can have socialism. OK, you can have a kibbutz. OK, you can have a commune. You can have, you know, a, a commune the size of a town or a city or whatever. Uh, you just can't force that system on everybody else. It has to be voluntary. Uh, in this organized crime government system, you can't have freedom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in in volunteerism, you can experiment with communism and socialism all you want. If you can talk people into living in that way, okay, you can have what you want, you just can't force it on everybody else. But in this organized crime system, it's against the law to have freedom within the system. Everybody has to pay the tax. Everybody has to go along with the system. And so it's inherently unfair to the people like myself that understand the free market and the wealth creation and the and what real genuine freedom would be would be like. But in freedom, you can have socialism and communism. So I don't understand why it would be opposed by socialists and communists. I like that. Governance, not governments. I always like the silver lining, the white pill aspect. Give me some solutions. Well, I tell you that, you know, the, the number one way is really to, uh, to pay in cash. And we talked about this. Uh, I think, you know, I talk about this a lot because I think that it's so incredibly important. Uh, but when you're paying in cash, you know, one of the, one of the kind of the next, the next, uh, the next shoe to fall is going to be something called central bank digital currencies. And it's kind of a progression of the organized money system to where they want to get away from physical uh, cash. This is why you're seeing the hand scanning at Whole Foods and, and other shops and things like that. And so they want to be able to turn off your ability to buy and sell. And they want to be able to track, trace, and con- control every single transaction within the economy. So they don't want you to make money at a yard sale. They don't want you to make money with a lemonade stand. They want to be able to control every and tax every single nickel. And so that's something that we need to fight back against. And the number one way that you can do that is really just by uh, refusing uh, digital payments whenever you can. Now, a couple of things happen when that when you when you do that. Number one, you're saving that merchant 1.5% to 2.5% right off the bat so so the so your local you know neighborhood restaurant or coffee shop or yoga studio or whatever it is uh, they're going to get more money in their pocket and that's going to be good for the local economy at the same time you're going to be starving the bank or the money processor the money changer that that uh, that you know did that of that 1.5 or 2.5, you know, to 2.5%. And, but the other thing is, is when you pay in cash, then, uh, you know, a lot of the businesses, they don't have to report that as income. And so you're going to be starving the government 
at the same time that you're going to be providing more money to the, you know, the yoga studio owner or the coffee shop owner or the, or the local restaurant that you do business with so they can take that money and, and buy guitar lessons for their child or tutoring or, you know, something else. Um, and so that's, that's kind of like my, you know, my number one, uh, my number one thing you can use cryptocurrencies, you can use gold and silver and barter. And so you want to have your cup because, you know, there is this, this, this potential of a dollar, uh, collapse or a dollar devaluation here in the United States as all of these, these, uh, these fiat paper tickets come, you know, come rushing home and competing for this fixed amount of goods and services, in your community, you want people to have alternatives so that uh, so if the dollar lost all of its value, that people could that there would still be an economy that the local merchants and the farmers and the restaurant owners and everything like that could immediately be doing you know business. And so one of the ways to do that is have non-dollar denominated currencies that are circulating and available. So if you're a business, take cryptocurrency, uh, take silver, take gold backs. Uh, I showed one of these the other day, but this is, you know, uh, something called a gold back. It's flexible, spendable gold. And they're, you know, they're circulating in three different U.S. states now, but it's an inflation proof, uh, you know, uh, currency of real value that has a 5,000 year history in commerce uh, that can't be printed, whose value can't be printed away through the organized crime banking system. And so, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, you could be tipping your waiters in gold backs. You could be tipping your, your waiters in, in, uh, in, uh, in silver, uh, you know, uh, barter pieces. Um, it also keeps your funds safe from confiscation. So, you know, one of the, you know, one of the other potential things that could happen in, and has happened in other countries is something called a bail-in and a bail-in is when the banks get in trouble they keep your money. They have the ability, and it's been written into law here in the United States and in other countries, that the banks have the ability to say, hey, we're going to do a bail-in, and we're going to we're going to have to, you know, everybody's going to get a 5 or 15% haircut, and the, but you're going to become a shareholder in the bank or, you know, some kind of trickery or tomfoolery there. And so if you're trading, if you're sitting on a, you know, a, a hidden pile of cash or silver or gold backs, that's, you know, going to keep your, your money uh, safe from, uh, from the bail-in and you're going to be diversified, you know, out of the, out of the U.S. dollar. Um, you can uh, give, uh, give those as, as gifts. Um, also, you can, you can really vote, vote with your dollars. And so, you know, in, in, with government, you get to vote you know, every two years or four years, but you have the ability to vote with your dollars every single day. So buy local, buy small, uh, you know, don't spend your money with Amazon. Don't spend your money with Walmart. Uh, no, you know, nobody should be buying soap from the store when you can go get soap at the, at the farmer's market. You know, you're like every dollar that you're spending in with local businesses is money that's going to stick around and circulate and create a, a more, uh, uh, resilient local economy in the case of a dollar, uh, devaluation, uh, you know, um, or a dollar collapse, stay spiritually and physically healthy. Uh, get exercise every day. 
uh, you know, go take yoga, learn meditation, uh, don't be drinking fluoridated water, get the, you know, uh, avoid the aspartame, the glyphosated wheat, the BPA and BPS and can linings, the recombinant bovine growth hormone in, in, uh, in milk products. Don't take the government's vaccines. Don't wear the government's, uh, you know, uh, masks detox regularly, uh, you know, sweating it out. I'm a, a hot yogi, a practitioner of hot yoga that's done in a 105 degree room because I'm detoxing out the glyphosated, the, the glyphosate and some of these toxins that, that you just can't escape if you're eating out at restaurants and, and, uh, and buying things at, at the, uh, uh, local thing, pull your kids out of the government's indoctrination system, homeschool them, send them to a, to a, to a private school, Montessori or Waldorf, you know, where they have self-directed education based on their needs and they're able to dodge a lot of the indoctrination, uh, you know, of the government or the Cub Scouts or the Boy Scouts or some of these other organizations that are, you know, trying to, you know, do them. You, 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 you can pull them out, you can homeschool them, you can put them in a homeschool co-op, you can fund a teacher, you can get them an accelerated graduation. So you can, in the United States, uh, you know, if you've got somebody, you've got a kid that's uh, 16, 17, or 18 wasting their time in a government indoctrination center, you can, uh, you can find uh, organizations like Valor Academy run by David Rodriguez that can show you how to get an accelerated graduation so they can join an apprenticeship, you know, based on their, uh, based on their interests, send them to a praise uh, uh, trade school. There's all kinds of low cost private school alternatives these days. There's a group called Acton Academies that has reduced the cost of uh, private education by innovating the way that education is delivered where the older kids teach the younger kids. That's actonacademy.org. There's a group called Prenda uh, a, a company called Prenda that provides resources for present uh, for for uh, parents and educators to create their own schools. It's like an Airbnb for schools where one teacher gets all of the the software and the back end tools needed to open a little micro uh, you know kind of micro school. There's another one called Kaipod Learning. There's a group. There's a website called Outschool.com that lo- lets anyone who wants to teach a class post their offerings online as long as they're secular. But, uh, but you know, you can you can now buy all of the the education that you're getting uh, from the government. Uh, you know, there uh, you can throw sand in the gears. And so one of the things that I like to do is you know every time I I you know I'm I'm buying something in in dollars and I'm giving physical cash to a merchant. A lot of times I'll say, hey, by the way, just so you know, I'm giving you cash. So the the lying, thieving, stealing, organized crime. So you don't have to report it to the lying, thieving, stealing, organized crime government. And then you're letting know that merchant that, hey, man, uh, there's other people that aren't going along with the government and you're sowing that discontent, uh, you know, in, in the population. And a lot of times that you get a, you know, good, uh, you know, conversation. Um, you consult your data. So if, if uh, big tech is asking you for, you know, your, uh, information, your age or your email or whatever it is, you can just give them uh, bad data. Um, we make it easy to resist, uh, you know, uh, with our, you know, like the number one thing you can do is wake up others, show them how the government system works. 
And so, you know, through donors to the Art of Liberty Foundation, we make our books available in something called a friends bundle, where we're giving low cost books, we're selling low cost books to where people can either give them away for free, or if you have a retail business, we got something called a, a, um, a pop-up gorilla bookstore where you can get everything that you need to attractively merchandise our book and our flash drives in a small footprint and share in the profits. And then once you have a Liberator flash drive, we not only allow, but we encourage you to make copies for your friends. And in the Liberator drive, there's actually a, a label template that allows you to print labels so you can go buy low-cost uh, books or you can go buy low-cost flash drives on eBay for about three bucks a pop. And you can create your own Liberators and, and explain what's going on and make the evidence of government criminality and illegitimacy, you know, uncensorable because you can't censor a flash drive or a book that you hand to a friend or a relative or to a colleague. And so if you can just wake up five people and have them wake up five more people, then we're going to win this thing. And then that's my short list. Well, you've already mentioned your website, but one last time. So the book is available at government-scam.com. The uh, the umbrella my umbrella organization is the Art of Liberty dot is Art of Liberty Foundation. We're at artofliberty.org. You can find us at Substack at artofliberty.substack.com, um, and uh, those are the three best places to find us. Etienne Delabussy squared. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.